Good Saturday morning and welcome to the Joy of Gardening by Estabrooks. I'm Tom Estabrook and another Saturday morning. Gosh, where are the weeks going? Getting closer and closer to May, the power month of garden centers and planting and all those things. I hope you have been able to get outside and start working in your garden, get things going. Uh, I know our our delivery trucks are running crazy right now. We've been uh, delivering mulch and soils and plants and, you know, fertilizers, all kinds of stuff. Everybody's really excited, and I'm excited because we're going live. Next week, next Saturday from 7 to 8 a.m. on here on WLOB, we're going to be live. We're going to be taking questions on air, um, be able to get a nice interaction with you and, uh, you know, hear about some of the problems you're having in, in uh, your landscapes right now. Let's face it, Maine's a challenging, challenging uh, state when it comes to landscaping and spring's always a challenge. Uh, there's many different problems. Uh, you know, we're still getting frost. We're there's just all kinds of challenges out there. Insects are starting to show up. We're starting to get customers come in with, with problems and damage on their plants. We always need a, a few good warm days to, to really show what Mother Nature did in the off-season. You know, we'll talk a little bit about rhododendrons and your broadleaf evergreens and what type of damage we're starting to get uh, people coming in talking about. Um, we'll talk a little bit about bulk soils and delivery and kind of some of that um always important to kind of give us a heads up on what you're going to need we're going to talk a little bit about crabgrass um in your lawn we're going to talk about how to treat it organically synthetically um how you can limit the exposure and use little product um to take care of your problems um we'll talk a little bit about lawn fertilization in general too but um Spring is sprung. It's Maine. Mud season's here. We're, uh, the the nursery is just filling up. I, I'm starting to run out of space here, folks. You got to come in. You got to take some of this stuff off of our hands. We're, we're bursting at the seams. We're excited about this year. Um, we've upped our inventories. We've upped our new varieties. I'm, I'm just so excited. I mean, it's just, I can't tell you how excited I am. Um, you know, the staff gets excited when the trucks start rolling in. So about the last month, we've been receiving loads of nursery stock, trees, shrubs. We're starting to uh, have perennials show up now. We're starting to bring perennials out of our greenhouses. And to be perfectly honest, there are a lot of new things. And our staff is just having fun with every single one of them. You know, the truck arrives, and when you come to the garden center, you're like, boy, look at all this cool stuff. Well, when we're unloading trucks, we're kind of like plant geeks. We get excited about things we haven't seen before also. So when new items arrive, you know, or the quality on an item is just unbelievable, we get excited. Those are the ones we want to sell, the nicest stuff, you know. So come in, see us. There's just an energy in the garden center. Even if you just need a little walk, you know, don't take the walk in your neighborhood. Jump in the car, come over, and walk the garden center. Don't even plan on on buying anything. It just will uplift your spirit. Um, it's a nice place to grab your lunch, come and sit on a bench out in the nursery and have your lunch. We have some folks that are doing that. Um, I, I always love that because 
we try to create a really nice environment for our customers, um, and we work very hard at that. So it's Saturday morning. I hope uh, you've got some plans to work in your garden for a little bit. Um, obviously, the 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 troubles of life, you know, there's never enough time for everything. But a little bit of work now will save you a lot of time later. Um, now's the time, you know, wanted to kind of talk a little bit about bark mulch, compost, all our bulk materials, you know, stuff you bring your pickup and you pick up or, or we deliver to you. It's so much easier to do this work now than later. And even we're getting kind of late now. You know, the perennials are really popping up now. Um, it's tougher to get in around everything. The earlier in the season that you're able to do this, the better. But we have a question from Jason in Scarborough. And his question is, how do I figure out how much mulch I need, loam, etc., and do you deliver and where? Well, that's the wonderful thing about websites nowadays. Basically, to find out how much product you need, you're basically doing a simple calculation. It's a length times width times depth. But we also have a really nice calculator on our website, so it will tell you once you get all your measurements, you can plug in the square footage that you have, and basically there is a calculator that will tell you how many yards you need. And the the depth is very important, but a general rule of thumb, I always like to talk about bark mulch because it's typically we're doing just a nice decorative layer, so two, two to three inches. At two to three inches, you're looking at about 80 square feet per yard. That's the coverage. So only an 8 by 10. Everybody thinks a yard of mulch is like this enormous amount of soil. It's not. Or of, of bark mulch. It's, it's not a lot of product. It goes down very quickly, and you can use a lot very quickly. So very important that you understand now if you're starting to talk about, you know, I need to fix my plow damage, so I need some loam to kind of fix some of that, um, you know, you can use quite a bit. Now, if you're going to come pick it up, there's something that I want to always caution people. So you go to the side yard and you pick up your trailer from last year. And you haven't used it all winter. Did you check the tires? Did you check the, the pressure in the tires? Because every year we load at least one or two people and the tires go flat as soon as we put the mulch or the loam or whatnot in their trailer. And we're, we're here to help. We help you pump them up. We find a way to get you on the road. But maintain those those tires. I know my, my trailer, I always check it before I put it on the road. Make sure those tires are in good shape, too. We get some very interesting trailers in the nursery. The other thing is how much you think you can put in that trailer dictates how heavy the product is, not how many yards you think you can put in there. If it's been raining a long time, bark mulch is very heavy. If it's been raining quite a bit, loam is extremely heavy. In a typical half-ton pickup, we can put two yards of bark mulch. We can put one yard of loam. Any more than that, and we're really overloading the vehicle. So when you do your calculation, and if you need multiple yards, it might be more efficient to have it delivered. It might be. It's up to you. I personally like to shovel it out of the back of the truck. It's a little easier on my back. So I like to take more trips. But if you want to do it at your convenience, 
and you want to be able to have the pile there so you can work in the evenings, times when people aren't around at the nursery, we can deliver it. We can drop it in your in your driveway. We don't leave and go around the back of the house through the woods to dump the bark mulch in a pile. We can't leave hard pack services. We just want to make sure that we don't ruin your lawn, ruin your septic system, create more of a problem where the truck is stuck or whatnot. So hard pack surfaces, certainly we can try to dump it on a tarp the best we can. Um, We always run into problems where the tarp is a 6 by 6 tarp and you've got 12 yards of bark mulch. It doesn't work out, folks. So, you know, make sure you have the right tools. Make sure your tarps are out there before we come to deliver. Um, We certainly can help in any way. But I want to talk about a few different products because there are many different products that people sell out there. So we sell loam, what we call super soil, which is a 50% loam, 50% compost. We sell straight compost. We sell a neutral mulch, which is a 50% compost, 50% mulch mix. And then we sell regular bark mulch, a nice dark, dark bark mulch. The two things I want to kind of talk about to save you time and energy is the neutral mulch. Now, neutral mulch is something that is kind of fairly new to us, a few years old. And the nice part about that is I recommend it early in the season and it feeds as it mulches. Now, bark mulch, the, 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 the thing that everybody thinks about bark mulch is it holds moisture, keeps the weeds down, and it looks good. The tough thing is if you put bark mulch down and you don't have the weeds under control, it doesn't do anything for the weeds unless you put it thick enough. So Nutra mulch is a feeding mulch where it has compost. So it helps build your soil where regular bark mulch can actually draw nitrogen out of the soil and tie it up. So you always want to be careful about that. It's not a problem. Also, bark mulch doesn't break down like neutral mulch. Neutral mulch turns into soil much quicker. So if you have, your plants have sandy soil, it's a great way to add amendments at the same time as bark mulch. And so you feed your soil, you feed your plants. I'm using it at my house. I have seen a huge difference. I have had to put half the fertilizer down I normally do. So I'm saving money there. The neutral mulch is only $5 or more more per yard. So I'm actually making out in the long run. And I like it because it's a little finer. It's a nice chocolate brown. It's not a black mulch. But what I like is it really feeds my plants well. I find I don't have to put as much, and my soil continues to get better and better and better. So take a look at that. That might be an item that would help if you have poor soil and switch over to that neutral mulch. The other thing is super soil. Super soil is a one-stop fix. So if you're building raised vegetable gardens, they've mixed the compost in there and the loam together. And so you can fill your raised beds for vegetable gardens, or if you're doing a nice island bed or something, it's ready to plant. It's what I use when I have new beds that I'm making. I made a nice bed last year, and I'd used super soil, and then I put neutral mulch on it afterwards. And so I had the benefits of the super soil having the compost in it and the neutral mulch. I didn't feed my plants at all the first year. 
and they stayed nice and lush green, grew very well, um, and I had excellent root development. So Nutri-Mulch and Supersoil are the best way to go if you need to add new soil or improve your soil. Um, if you ha- are building new garden beds with existing soil, maybe you add compost and work that in. Now the last thing I want to talk about is loam. And obviously Supersoil has loam in it, and we sell a nice garden loam also. It's a nice sandy loam. It's not too heavy. It's not too light. We get a lot of questions about, is your loam organic? And there's no way to certify loam to be organic in bulk. It's coming out of a field. The other thing we always want to be cautious about is weeds. And I'd like to say that every loam pile is weed-free. It's just not physically possible. You're dealing with a product which has been taken from a field, stripped off, typically piled for a year, and then shipped to us. Weed seeds are everywhere. And what I can tell you is that every every loam has weed seeds in it. What I usually like to do is build my beds. I go ahead and plant. I usually wait about two weeks before I mulch. And the reason I do that at my house is I know there's going to always be a few weeds that pop up. There's nothing tougher to weed and keep the area looking good if you've mulched and whatnot. Now, if there's a few weeds that pop up in the loam, you know, in the first couple weeks after I plant, I just take a nice hoe and I just go ahead and I scrape them around and they all die off on a nice hot day. So it's five minutes. I kill all the weeds. Once I've done that a couple times over the first couple weeks, then I come in and I put my Nutri-Mulch down. I know I've got a clean surface, I'm feeding the soil, and I've knocked out all the weeds and I've started off clean. Makes a huge difference. If you go ahead and put, you know, a new bed in and you put that bark mulch or Nutri-Mulch right on top, what are you doing? You're creating an opportunity for the seeds to germinate in the mulch and the loam. So by... Waiting a little bit, and that's the nice part about if you're doing delivery, we can deliver the loam and stuff one week. You can have your plants delivered the next week after you've got your beds squared away. The third week, you can go ahead and have your mulch delivered. So we can set up multiple deliveries in order for it to be most efficient for you. You don't need everything delivered all at once. If you do, we can do that also. But wanted to let you know, um, we're delivering like crazy. So get your orders in. You can uh, order at estabrooksonline.com. Um, that will shoot out an order and we'll call you and set up delivery. Uh, so you can, del- you can basically order 24 hours a day. Um, also, we've got all kinds of other products. If you need playground chips for, to keep your kids safe, uh, we have those also. But uh, let's talk a little bit about fruit trees. Because now we're in the peak season. You know, the bees are starting to buzz around. We're, we've warmed up. The apple trees are pushing out. We're getting close. You know, everything's starting to kind of, you know, swell. The peaches, oh, the peaches, man, they're really starting to get close. Um, I wanted to talk a little bit about fruit trees because, you know, we sell many, many varieties. Um, but earlier you plant fruit trees, the better. Um, You can plant them all season, but the best selection is first thing in the spring. Um, But what I want to talk about is we always have folks that they love the ideas of of fruit trees. 
And a lot of times when we have a false idea of what fruit trees um, can be, it's always great. We go into the grocery store and we see all those nice shiny apples. They're all perfect. They don't have a piece of scab on them. They've got nice little waxy coating on them. They shine and glisten on, on under the lights of the grocery store. It's probably not likely that's going to happen for you in the garden here in Maine. Apple orchards do a wonderful job of growing apples. They have to do many, many things to make them look really good. And if you think you can grow apples perfectly organically, it's very hard. I don't know anybody that does a good job with it. There's always some problems that arise as Maine has many challenges to our growing season. Last year, I felt awful for the apple orchards. They lost, most lost at least 50% of their crop due to, you know, the warm temperatures and late frost we had. I should say freezes we had uh, because a lot of those folks are in really cold areas. But what I will say is if you want to do apple trees or you want to do fruit trees, there is going to be some maintenance that is necessary. In order to do and get fruit the way you would like it, there is some spraying involved. There is some fertilization involved. There is some extra water involved. It's all about limiting stress on your fruit trees. The less stress the trees have, the better the fruit becomes. Not hesitating to thin your fruit. And so, you know, Dawn from Pownell wants to know, fruit trees, when do we spray and how often? Okay. Fruit trees, it kind of varies a little bit, but the general rule of thumb is about the time they start to flower, we're going to start spraying. Or as soon as you start to see, say with apple trees, the white petals starting to fall on the ground. So the flowers are passing bloom. They've probably been, the bees have been working them hard. And now all of a sudden the flowers are starting to drop. Okay, now we're getting close. I think once we see most all the white off of the apple tree, it's time to start. It's time to start using a fruit tree spray. Um, It typically has a fungicide and insecticide in it. It's a good way to, to treat your fruit trees. What I will say is you have to be very diligent about fruit tree spray. So thinking about your weather conditions is a very important thing. So if we have three days of rain, you may want to spray just after. Just after it rains for three days, go ahead and spray or if you may spray just before that rainy stint. So, you know, you're probably weekly or every other week you're going to be spraying these trees throughout the spring. Once we get into summer, we're going to continue that. The only difference is we're going to want to make sure we have enough fertilizer and enough water for the plants to support that fruit. Now, along the way, once we see all the fruit set, we may want to thin the fruit on the tree. So we might want to take a third of the fruit off. So we take that energy off and we get larger, bigger fruit. And what I would call is thin that tree. So thin the fruit on the tree. That will allow them to get larger, the remaining fruit. And also, you won't have as many problems. So be very diligent. Keep stress-free plants. And go ahead and spray probably weekly or bi-weekly. It all depends on Mother Nature. 
If we have rainy stints or poor weather, you're going to have to spray a little more often. But certainly use the recommendations on the bottle of spray. And also come in and talk to us. Um, good to have a conversation. We have hose end sprayers and, you know, all these things that can get up into 20 feet into the trees. So, you know, certainly if you don't want to do all that work, this is always my recommendation. Enjoy the fruit. Let it drop on the ground. The deer will come in. Everybody will be happy. Pack a lunch and visit your local orchard in the fall. Pick as many apples as you want. Make applesauce. Make apple pies. Enjoy your apples until you're sick of them. If you don't want to do the work, use them for attracting wildlife. But uh, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be back with more from the Joy of Gardening on WLOB. Do you have planting insurance? You can with Biotone Starter Plus from Mespoma. It's the ultimate starter plant food, and you can use it for everything you plant. Just mix it in with the soil. It works like three products in one to guarantee your success, even in poor soils. The secret is a special blend of natural organic plant food, beneficial microbes, and mycorrhizal fungi. The result is that plants grow faster, roots grow deeper, and flowers and vegetables become more abundant. Maintain your plants with the Tones, a full line of organic plant foods including Holly Tone, Plant Tone, and Rose Tone. There's a tone for almost every tree, shrub, flower, or vegetable. Best of all, every Espoma product is safe for people, pets, and the environment. Look for Biotone Starter Plus at your local garden center and visit espoma.com videos for product info and valuable gardening tips. Espoma, a natural in the garden since 1929. We know you have lots of choices when buying plants and garden supplies. But wouldn't you rather come to someone at your local garden center where you know us and we know you? Someone who knows Maine soil, Maine's climate, and knows what plants will thrive here. Someone who will make sure you find what you're looking for here or at one of our other independent garden centers. We support each other and work together to satisfy you. Wouldn't you rather come to your local garden center? We're the Independent Garden Centers of Maine at maineigc.com. Regular old mulch leaving your plants wanting more? Casella's Organics Nutri-Mulch is a superior mulch for improving any landscape. Made in Maine from aged native bark and earth-life compost, its dark color and rich texture are ideal for perennials, ornamentals, trees, and shrubs. Earth-Life Nutri-Mulch is nutrient-stabilized with compost so the bark doesn't compete with plants for nutrients. Visit CaselaOrganics.com or call 800-4-COMPOST for a source near you. Welcome back to The Joy of Gardening by Esther Brooks. Just talking about fruit trees. Um, you know, I don't want people to think I'm, I'm, you know, negative on fruit trees by any means. I have six apples that line my driveway. I planted them last fall. And, uh, you know, I'm going to do limited maintenance on them. Just so you know, I'm going for wildlife attraction. Um, you know... And, and also that, that older farmhouse look. That's that's what I'm kind of going for. So I'm using them more as an ornamental. I'm using them to attract more wildlife. Going to water and fertilize and, you know, probably thin them. Uh, might do a little bit of spraying just more for fungal, but I'm not planning on really doing much with the fruit. Um, I enjoy going to the orchard 
each year. Um, I think it's nice to support our, our local orchards. They they work so hard all year, and last year was very tough on them. Um, you know, get out there this fall and, and support your local orchard. I think it's a really great day. Even, uh, you know, leave the kids at home if you want even. Just go. There's nothing better than a nice cider donut, you know, uh, on a Saturday or Sunday morning um, at the orchard. So don't think i'm negative on fruit trees um because i like to plant them too i got some plans this year probably to put some peaches in those i'm going to try to get to fruit though um and maybe some cherries also because there's nothing better than peaches and cherries out of your own garden apples you can go pick here in maine but cherries and and uh peaches i think are the best when you're able to grow them so that would be a choice that i'm gonna make um we're gonna talk a little bit now um about crabgrass crabgrass is like the nemesis of of many 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 customers of ours um there's a few things about crabgrass that i think customers need to know is that it's an annual grass it dies every single year. So the trick is really to break up the life cycle of crabgrass. So the seed in which in the crabgrass that you see this spring was actually, the seeds were put down last fall. So you have it now. There's, there's no real way any of us don't have any crabgrass. But it was done last summer. So... Summer maintenance is probably the most important thing for crabgrass. But we're going to talk basically about crabgrass preventators, organic, synthetic. Now is the time. What I always tell people is the time to put crabgrass preventer, whatever choice you make, organic or synthetic, that really is your choice. We sell both. We sell more organic than we do synthetic, to be perfectly honest. But we also have some people that do mostly organic and a little bit of synthetic. What I want to talk about crabgrass is it really needs to get down earlier the better. It's a pre-emergent. doesn't matter if it's organic or synthetic. The organic is corn gluten. You need to use a quite high rate of corn gluten in order to get control. If you use a low rate and don't put down enough, you will not get any control. So they, we sell corn gluten in two different bags. One is just a fertilizer and one is a weed control. If you are looking for weed control, we need to use the higher rate. It costs more, of course, but unless you put it down at the proper rate, you won't get any control. I always have problems with crabgrass in the hottest, driest spots in my yard. It's always found right along my driveway. So in that instance, I use a liquid control, and I use it two or three times during the season. And what I do is I spot treat. So I'm putting very little chemical down. I'm spot treating on the hottest day of the year, and it's absorbed into the plant very quickly and tied up. It's very important that you understand I don't use personally a weed and feed type scenario over my whole lawn i don't need it i don't have that many weeds i like to spot treat if i have a problem in a specific area i will apply a few a little bit in one area and let the rest of the lawn do its thing i generally feed everything 
So I use either an organic or a synthetic fertilizer, but I don't use any weed control in there. Now, there are many customers that are out there that have a lawn that is extremely dirty. When I say dirty, it has a lot of species of weeds in it. And a weed and feed type scenario may be a good place to start to clean up the lawn before we start an organic program or we have to overseed or whatnot. Sometimes the lawn is so riddled with weeds, we need to clean it up before we're able to get into an organic program. The other situation is with pre-emergence for crabgrass, you always want to have them down before the forsythia are dropping their blooms. So if you see your forsythia out there, it's in full bloom. There's really no yellow blossoms on the ground yet. You still have time. If you go out the next day and all the blossoms are down on the ground, you're too late. So earlier the better um, is important. Um, Beth from North Yarmouth has a question. Should I use synthetic weed and feed for crabgrass or should I use liquid? Because she's seen many of the companies that you hire using liquid. Um, I think, I think Beth, it's probably a personal choice. But what I would tell you is how bad is your crabgrass problem? Um, if it's just in a small area, the liquid might be the best way to go. And then you also could put down an organic to go with it. And, and if you can spot treat it, you're putting less product down. And you're also creating a situation where you're taking the brunt of what you have for an infestation and getting rid of it. And then the following year, we have to use less and less and less. The other thing is when it comes to July and August, that's when we want to be attacking the adult plants of crabgrass in the summer months. If we can do that and attack those plants in the summer months, we won't have any crabgrass in the spring. So thinking in July and August, when we start to see that light light green blade of grass right along the driveway or your hot areas, that's always a sign that crabgrass is close behind. And if we can get it before it goes to seed, we actually cut all of our crabgrass for next spring. So, personally, if it's a small area, probably the the liquid would be the better way to go. If it's widespread throughout your whole lawn, you can go either way, liquid or synthetic, or you could try the organic and see how that works for you also. Um, The corn gluten works quite well. We just want to get it down as early as possible. So, my suggestion is run into the store, get the stuff, put it down this weekend. You know, hopefully... Your facetia has not gone by in your neighborhood. Um, And the reason why I say, you know, in your neighborhood is every neighborhood's a little bit different. Some areas are warmer than others. You know, someone in Wyndham or someone in in Bangor would have a different time frame of applying product comparative to someone in Kennebunk or even Yarmouth right on the coast. Um, So where you're in North Yarmouth, you might be a little bit colder. You might be in a cold spot, so you might have a little more time. But uh, the Forsythia is always a good general way to go. So get out there. Um, it's time to, time to fertilize your lawn. Um, if you're not doing any crabgrass preventer this year, a general fertilizer at this time of year. And the one last note on pre-emergent, um, you cannot, I repeat, you cannot seed 
those awful patches that the plow damaged. You can't seed, overseed your lawn if you've used these pre-emergents. It will kill the new grass seed you put down. So if you're planning on seeding, we're going to skip the pre-emergent, and we'll go with a liquid a little bit later. So always a good tip. Um, the lawns are growing. I'm mowing mine weekly now. Um, I put some fertilizer down early, uh, you know, and things are just taking off. I'm uh, wishing I didn't put as much fertilizer at this point because it takes me an hour and a half to mow my lawn on the riding lawnmower. I've got a big lawn. So, anyways, Beth, I hope that answers your question. And we're going to take a quick break. Uh, we'll be back with more from the Joy of Gardening on News Talk WLOB. great garden this year, but I don't know where to start. Does this sound like you? With so many great plants available, it can be tough knowing which ones are right for you and your home. The gardening pros at Estabrooks can help. Every time I come, they're always helpful to us. They are really knowledgeable about things because I don't know that much about gardening, so they always tell me what you know would be right in my house in the sun and the setting. To learn more, visit estabrooksonline.com. Estabrooks for the joy of gardening. At highway speeds, the average text takes your eyes off the road for about five seconds. That's enough time to travel the length of a football field. Stop texts, stoprex.org. We know you have lots of choices when buying plants and garden supplies. But wouldn't you rather come to someone at your local garden center where you know us and we know you? Someone who knows Maine soil, Maine's climate, and knows what plants will thrive here. Someone who will make sure you find what you're looking for here or at one of our other independent garden centers. We support each other and work together to satisfy you. Wouldn't you rather come to your local garden center? We're the Independent Garden Centers of Maine at maineigc.com. And welcome back to the Joy of Gardening by Estabrooks. We're going live. We were just uh, talking about fruit trees and crabgrass and all kinds, but we're going live, okay, next Saturday, 7 to 8 a.m., call in, you know, uh, we're going to have the phone number on our website, it'll be on our e-news, all of that, um, but certainly we want you to call in, we want questions and answers, uh, problems you're having in the garden, plants you love. You know, if there's something in your yard that's just fabulous and you want everybody to know about it, and um, call us. Talk to us about the plant, why you love it. Um, but we're here to help. We're here for all those problems. Plants are tough. Plants are tough work. Gardens are tough work. There's always pests and problems and things going on that you can't figure out. We're here to help. Um, so we're going live next Saturday morning, 7 to 8 a.m., uh, and then the following week, we're going to go 6 to 8. You guys are getting me up early. I love it. You know, get my day going. Uh, enjoy talking about gardening. I might have an extra cup of coffee on that one, but I'm willing to do it for you. Uh, so we're going to talk a little bit about winter damage now. And we have a question from Susan. Uh, she's in Freeport, and she's noticing she has some uh, burn on her rhododendrons, and her boxwoods, kind of the tips are burned this year. And uh, we've been starting to have a bunch of customers. We've had some warm days now. We've had some days. And, and winter damage, it doesn't happen in the spring. 
it shows up in the spring. But our winter weather, especially on broadleaf evergreens like mountain laurel, mountain andromeda, rhododendrons, um, boxwoods, it all happens during the winter months. If you think back to winter and the cold temperatures we had, when you look out the window and you see those rhododendrons and their leaves curled right up, that is a mechanism in order for them to conserve moisture and protect themselves from the wind and the cold. They actually curl their leaves right up. And a lot of times you'll look out there and go, oh my God, my rhododendron, oh, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? There's nothing you can do. That's a natural thing. It happens. doesn't mean that you're going to have damage on your rhododendrons. But there are a few things you can do precaution-wise in the fall and early winter. And we'll talk about those more this fall. But what we're going to talk about today is how we can help Susan to rebound her plants that have been damaged. Now, there's many, many times in the spring that customers dig up plants and they bring them into the garden center and think they're dead. And rhododendrons that have been burned are typically one of them. Boxwoods can be another. But I want you to just take a deep breath and we're going to wait, okay? We've had pretty good rain this spring. We've gotten some good temperatures. Things are warming up. You know, on your evergreens and stuff, you're probably starting to see some damage. We'll talk a little bit more about pines and other things a little bit later in the show. So we're going to stick to broadleafs right now. Broadleaf evergreens, like rhododendrons, are susceptible to a fair amount of damage. Now, there are many conditions that can lead to that. Number one can be a dry fall. Okay, that we set ourselves up for issues there. But we've got these rhododendrons, the tips are all burned off. You know, one question people always ask is, should I prune those tips off? You know, and I want to be cautious about doing that. Two things with rhododendrons I want to be careful about. Number one, fertilizing too early when they're damaged, I think is, is a concern. So first off, if we're having a uh, dry spring, we'll pick up and water a little bit. We also could use a light organic fertilizer like a spoma, like Hollytone. But I don't want you to put a real heavy rate. Anytime plants are damaged, it's kind of like humans. We're hurt, we're damaged. You don't want to push us to grow. You don't want to push us to do things we can't do. So what I want to do is bring them out of dormancy very slow and steady, okay? I don't want you to go grab the, the blue goo, put it in the bucket and feed that plant, grab the mere acid or whatnot, and feed the dickens out of the plant. Sometimes what can happen is we can push the plant too far and it actually dies because of that. So slow and steady return. When we get to the summer months, we'll get more aggressive, Okay, but this spring, maybe we prune off some of the really bad stuff, but a lot of times the stems are still alive. So we could slightly prune, you know, some of the tips off, probably your flower buds aborted during the winter. Um, So it's not a concern if we prune some of those off. But if you want, you can just wait. We'll water, light feed, kind of keep the plant happy. The happier we keep the plant all season, the more growth it will put back on. The same is for if you had deer damage on your rhododendrons. Sometimes it's not 
just Mother Nature that does the trick. I have a rhododendron in my yard. They've just about stripped it. So again, same thing. Light fertilizer, water. When we get to July and early August, we're going to actually probably pick up the water and fertilizer a bit for about a month. With rhododendrons and broadleafs, the more water and fertilizer they have in the heat, the more growth and leaves they'll put back on. Okay? So once we get to that point, we can go ahead and push them because they've gone through the spring months, they've put on what they can. Now we're going to pick up water, fertilizer, and extra water, 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 water during the hot months. Grab a cocktail, go out, grab the hose, have a drink, water your plants. The rhododendron will just explode with growth because it has a root system that is used to having all those leaves on it. And if we give it the tools to put new leaves on, it will. So we're going to prune the spring a little bit. We're going to lightly fertilize, maybe even use some of that Nutri-Mulch instead. And we're going to go ahead and we're going to water, okay? I know the plant looks unsightly. I know it, it. you want it to look great right away. But, Susan, let's take it slow and steady. And then once we get into June, July, and August, when the growing season's really happening, then we're going to push, push, push. And then in the fall, we'll talk more about what we need to do to protect the rhododendrons. Boxwoods, a nice part about boxwood. We always can shear boxwood. There's no flower. So you've got some tips that don't look good. Just shear it up nicely into a nice ball or cone or whatnot. And then go ahead, give a nice light feed, some water. It'll push out. Once it starts to push good growth, you can put a general feed on it, um, and it will just explode with growth. Holly tone is good for all your broadleaf evergreens um, and most of your evergreens. It also is good with blueberries. You know, blueberries love to be acidic, so holly tone is a good way to go. Most of your other plants, it's going to be plant tone. So if you have other plants that are damaged, um, you know, that are perennials or deciduous shrubs, you're going to use plant tone. Any of your evergreens and or your broadleaf evergreens, you're going to use holly tone. So I think we can kind of straighten that out. Now, we've done all of that, and the plants still aren't kind of looking great. With your broadleaf evergreens, the other item that we need to think about is iron. Broadleaf evergreens can be very um, deficient in iron. And if you can't green them up, the nice part about iron is it doesn't feed. It just greens. So if you have ewes, rhododendrons, mountain laurel, mountain andromeda, or boxwood, Iron, a liquid iron, can really make a big difference in greening your plants up without adding any more fertilizer. It's a micronutrient in the soil that sometimes just is not available to the plants or there isn't enough in the soil. Sometimes when you buy a plant from the nursery, it's a little off color, and as soon as you plant it in the ground, it greens right up. And that's because the iron has been washed out of the pot in the nursery from us watering it, and you put it back in the ground, and the iron is available to the plant, and it takes it up. The best nutrients in your soil are micronutrients, not your nitrogen, phosphorus, and potassium. 
it's the micronutrients that do a lot of the work. And iron is one that's very important. So, Susan, I hope that answers your question. There'll be many more damage questions to come. We're going live. A lot of those things are going to kind of start to pop up. Um, the other issue with rhododendrons is lace bug. We've talked about that in past shows. I'm sure that's going to come up when we go live, which will be next Saturday. So excited. Um, so hope that answers your question. Um, next question we've got is from Chris from Sanford. Um, same type of problem. He's seeing a couple, couple of things, but with evergreens. So he has, he's seeing some interior browning on his camisiparis or false cypress. And he's also seeing, he has a, a hedge of pines along the road and they kind of ha- have like a bronzing, you know, they're not really green. They're not really brown. They're, they're kind of like an off greenish brown, um, on some white pine and some Austrian pine. So Chris, you're experience, experiencing some other damage um, than Susan was. Um, interior shed actually probably is not damage. It's probably a natural thing that the false cypress is doing. And we see it happen in the fall. And you may not have noticed it, but typically the interior growth will shed. It'll turn like a, a light yellow and then go brown. That's a natural occurring thing on Camisiparis. It also can be brought on by drought or not enough water. So if it's in a, in a sandy soil and it dries out in the summer months, you will get more shed than if it had enough moisture. False cypress are a water lover, okay? They don't like to be wet, but they don't definitely don't like to be dry. So important that you do some late summer waterings to limit the shed. But I think what you're seeing is probably the remnants from last year. You just may not have noticed it. Um, Go in there, strip all that out. That will allow more light to come into the center of the plant. It will actually start to refoliate on the inside. Extra water and fertilizer um, will be a key uh, to regenerate that growth on the interior. Um, But stripping that, that dead growth out, will allow light in there. Right now, that growth is sti- is still sitting in there, and it's just kind of festering. Um, so strip that all out. If you just kind of take your hands, get in the center of the plant, kind of brush them around, you'll find it all just fall down through the center of the plant. And then what will happen is you can just clean it out around the base, and that will allow the light to get in there. I had the same situation happen to one of mine at, at my house, and it took about three years for it to really rebound well. Um, so it's a slow-term process because false cypress are not a fast grower. So it's going to take a little bit of time, but it will rejuvenate. So summer watering, very important, though, in order to keep that from happening again. The other thing was the pines. You have white pines and Austrian pines on the road. Well, Austrian pines are very, very salt-tolerant, and white pine are not. So if you go up and down the turnpike, you can see areas where They've planted red pine and Austrian pine um, and white pine. And usually the white pine you see has a blistering look to it. I mean, it looks just like they sprayed it with a, with a heat gun in the spring. They always will flush out. But the one thing I want to be careful about is you've set yourself up 
or the plants have set, set themselves up for getting needle cast. And needle cast is a very, very tough problem here in the state of Maine that has been getting worse and worse and worse. We see it a lot along the coast where we have salt spray and where we have a lot of wind. Um, needle cast is a disease. Um, it's easily treated, um, but it needs to be treated. It's not going to go away, and it will put the tree into decline. A lot of times what you'll see is you'll continually get browning needles throughout the whole spring into summer, and the needles will drop. Um, the salt damage probably could stress the plant to the point where needle cast would attack. I don't know as you have that yet, um, but if you've seen a recurring problem with needle drop and, and browning, then you may have needle cast. That's something that we can use a copper sulfate here in the garden center, or you may want to contract uh, you know, um, a local arborist to do something for you, depending on the size of the trees. Um, if they're smaller trees, you probably very easily can do it yourself. If they're larger, it might need some equipment in order to get up in there um, and do the right job. So I think you probably have salt damage. Um, a couple things with salt damage that we want to do. Um, we probably want to just irrigate the soil, okay? And the other thing is get the hose out there and actually physically wash down the plants. Get that salt off of the needles, um, you know, and then go ahead and water the soil. Try to leach that salt through the soil, rake off any sand, um, you know, that's on the lawn or whatnot. Get that back out on the road. Hopefully the town will clean it up for you um, when they come by and do street sweeping. But get that salt and sand off of the lawn or the garden bed around it and water thoroughly. And, um, you know, then we're going to do a light fertilizer and, uh, you know, we'll kind of pick back up. So, you know, I think that will help. Um, if not, you might want to get you know, a professional out there like a, a professional armorist to take a look at things and or bring a sample in, pictures, always do a, a, a thousand words. So, Chris, I hope that helps out. I know there's a lot of plant damage showing up out there. There always is every spring in Maine. Certainly don't hesitate. We're going live next week. And guess what? You can call in and talk to me about your problems. So, we're going to uh, wrap the show up here. Uh, we're going to wrap up with tip of the week. And it's brought to you by the Maine Landscape and Nursery Association, melna.org. Great place to find good professionals for all your landscaping and garden center needs. I want to talk a little bit about pansies. So we're at the end of April here. Getting towards the end of April, it's time to plant the pansies. You wait too much longer, they're not going to do well. Okay, pansies like it cold. Okay, I have a question from Lily in Westbrook, and it's going to kind of go along with the tip of the week. Um, she has pansies. She's had them planted for two weeks. They're doing extremely well, but we've had some frosty nights, and some of the blossoms got damaged. She's picked off the blossoms, which is perfect, but she's not getting a lot of blossoms to come back as quick as she would like. So pansies... The earlier you plant them, the more they root, the better they do, okay? The later you plant them, they don't really root. They just kind of grow, okay? So what will happen is your flowers will become smaller, and your foliage and your plant will kind of flop. But she's planted them at the right time. We've had some cold nights. She got a little bit of damage. 
not a problem. Pansies love that. We pick them off, deadhead them. Make sure, um, Lily, that you've taken all the seed heads off, not just the spent flowers, but any seed heads. Um, and you can usually tell that because it kind of looks like a little belly button at the end of the stem, okay? Um, it looks like a, a little seed pod. And make sure and take not only the seed pod on the end, but take that whole stem right down into the foliage. That will make sure that you don't have any rotting stems on your plants. But I think it's time to fertilize. They've been rooting for a couple weeks now, and uh, it says you here you have not fertilized. So let's give a shot of miracle Grow to them. That will make them kind of get jump-started. They've got good roots by now, and we'll push more flowers. Um, my suggestion is let's do it in a nice sunny day when it's warm. Try not to pick a day when it's real cold. Um, that way the plant will take up the fertilizer and really explode with growth. But pansies are by far the number one spring flower in Maine. Um, we sell thousands of them. And don't hesitate to get them into the garden. Get them early. Keep them deadheaded. And they'll last right into July. They are a spring cool weather lover. They do not like warm temperatures in the summer. So good luck. Keep them deadheaded. And enjoy your garden on this beautiful Saturday morning. Have a nice day. So get out there and have fun. Enjoy your garden. Tune in every week from 7 to 8 a.m. at WLOB 1310 a.m. and WLOBradio.com. To pick up the podcast, visit us at estabrooksonline.com and uh, enjoy your week. We hope to see you next week. <laughs>